Joey Alfieri, Joey Alfieri Cried when the Expos left Park Jerry If Tia sends the pie, he's the cherry Joey Alfieri Likes Toronto pizza better than in Montreal Loves the Alouettes, loves Canadian football Joey Alfieri, Joey Alfieri If Tia sends 690, he's a good fairy At the station, he's the big man like Refrigerator Perry Joey Alfieri Produces Mel Nick's show and does Sports Saturday too Was king of his high school prom, that's true! Play-by-play -play voice of the club de foot Trois devant, always forward understood Joey Alfieri, Joey Alfieri Cried in the expos, left part Jerry If Tia sends the pie, he's the cherry Joey Alfieri Joey Alfieri Uh, what a tune. Dan Byrne dropped that yesterday on uh, Melnick in the afternoon. And uh, it's uh, I'm not going to lie, it's been stuck in my head since uh, since I heard it at around 3.35, I want to say. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with you till 1 o'clock. My boy John Stills with me every step of the way. Uh, we've got a big show lined up for you. We're going to be talking to, really excited to bring on Kent Manderville, former NHLer. He'll join us to break down all things NHL uh, just after 11.35. Uh, we'll be talking to Thor Nystrom. Yes, that's his real name. Thor Nystrom of uh, NBC Sports Edge. He's their NFL and college football analyst. I want to, things are starting to develop here as we're about a month and a half away from the NFL draft. And I'm curious to see uh, you know, how he ranks the quarterbacks because there could be as many as six going in the first round. Uh, and I also want to know who's taking a quarterback where are these guys going to land and where does he rank them so we'll talk to thor about that a little bit later on uh we will also be chatting with a good friend of the show vasily kremenzidis he's the assistant sporting director of uh, the of cf montreal and they're looking for a head coach and so we'll see how close they are to uh finding their next manager but that's going to go just after 12 35 also brand new segment brand brand new it's guess the middle name game. John Still, I'm going to need your help participating in this one. I will be quizzing you on uh, celebrity athletes and their middle names. It's all people that have made news this week in some way, shape, or form. And the audience can participate at 11690 as well. So it's just a way for us to get through some added news uh, that you may have missed. And uh, we're going to add a little bit of a wrinkle to it. So you're going to have to guess the middle name of uh, some uh, global superstars. What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm well, pal. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We worked together a couple of days this week, and uh, just it kind of put me in a better mood. I'm in a very good mood because I got uh, I got more of a, my John Still fix in. This yeah, you're. Uh, it's, you don't believe uh, me? It's uh, it's like uh, any kind of uh, vitamin deficiency you go through. Uh, not Absolutely. enough vitamin C. Not enough vitamin B12. Not enough John Still. I, I get it. Yeah. I don't have enough John Still, and I am him. <laughs> That might be a problem. Uh, what'd you think of the song on the way in? Just curious, because it's all the well, Virgin Radio, Shom FM, they've all reached out, and uh, I'm I'm just I'm trying to negotiate a deal here. Look at this uh, for for royalties and all that. I've got to figure out how much of it it goes to Dan Byrne and how much goes to me. I feel like you get maybe five percent because you had nothing to do with it except <laughs> for just providing the name for him. But uh, yeah, now uh, I mean, does Gallo have one? Uh, like that's uh, what I mean is that I don't know what happened is that 
Uh, well, is it Jimmy only G- the people who run the board? Like that, that's what I mean. Do, is there a Sean Campbell one in the works? Is there a mine in the works? Like this is my question: Is if there's yeah. a Jimmy G and Joey Alfieri, I'm shocked that there hasn't been a Mitch Gallo yet. And uh, n- now Dan Byrne has uh, set himself up for uh, some extra work that I don't know if he's uh, if he's prepared for. See, so Jimmy G has his song. That, that's that was an instant classic, the Jimmy G tune. Um, but Gallo and Campbell are mentioned in a lot of songs, uh, and I wasn't, and and I didn't take it personally because I know that rhyming Alfieri is uh, quite difficult. Uh, but uh, Dan found a way to do it, so you still haven't answered the question of what you think of the song. Because I've I've got to be honest with you, I've had listeners reach out, and uh, people say that they've been hearing it in their heads since three thirty yesterday. Like they can't get it out of their heads, and that's the amazing thing about Dan Burns songs. You'll hear it, and then it's in your head nonstop, and that's you know that's what makes him a great singer songwriter. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty solid. Uh, I think it goes uh, along the watchtower. Uh, <laughs> Stairway to Heaven, Joey Alfieri, Dan Burns song. Am I wrong? Okay. Uh, no. I mean, no. maybe I'd flop two and three. I'd try oh, to okay. switch two and three. There. I see, I see, I see. All right. But, no, to but, each uh, their own. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little biased. But uh, no, I mean, I was compared to Refrigerator Perry. I just I want to know, do you think I'm the cherry on top of the TSN 690 pie. That was easily the best uh, the best lyric that he did for me. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go with that, sure. Okay, good. Especially yeah, all this talk about you being uh, some prom queen, some prom king of some king, kind. King, uh, yeah, yeah, prom king. You know what I mean? It, was, like, it wasn't it, a prom king of some kind. It was It's just prom king. I know, but not, the, not of people, people have now been bringing up uh, that they need photographic evidence of this and uh, you have not provided. So you know what? Like until there is... Until there is true proof, but uh, yeah, if if you were the uh, the man with the most beautiful eyes at Vincent Massey High School, then yes. uh, the uh, the cherry on the uh, on the Sunday or on the pie of TSN six ninety is a uh, is a decent way of uh, describing you, Joey Alfieri. So the next time that I'll I'll be allowed to go to my parents' house, uh, I will take a picture of the crown and the sash. Oh, you got a sash too! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. See, I wasn't a prom king, so I don't know. I don't know what it entails. Did you have to give a speech or? Uh, like, no, no, not really. You just no. kind of uh, you, you got up there and you took pictures, and I uh, I I'd, I'd, I'd love to find a picture, uh, but uh, yeah, it uh, it it really happened. And you know what? Just because I love you so much, uh, I'm gonna bring you a diamond from the crown. A diamond. The next time I see you. Oh yes. my goodness, Vincent Massey, what was going on in uh, in the early 2000s? I, I don't understand, or the late uh, 2000s. By the way, yeah, it was an early 2000s. The late 2000s, but a diamond. I mean, I'm from I'm from uh, I'm from uh, Pierrefonds Comprehensive High School. We didn't even have windows, so I, I don't know where these diamond <laughs> I don't know where these diamond crowns were coming from. But uh, well done to uh, to the boosters at Vincent Massey High School. Yeah, it was. Uh, by the way, it's a Vincent Massey Collegiate. It's a. It's a Excuse it's me. A, it's not a high school. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, that semi-private money. I mean, it went straight to the uh, prom. You know, all the money went straight to the prom uh, apparel. That's that's just the way it went. Swag. The swag. That's right. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens made some changes to their lines, um, and I was pleasantly surprised. We've been waiting for a while now. You see that smooth segue, John? When are the coaches going to give Jesperi Kotkaniemi some better line mates? Well, finally happened this morning. It's not what I envisioned the lines would look like, but here we are. 
Kotkaniemi is centering Tyler Toffoli and a seemingly healthy Josh Anderson. So we've been waiting patiently for Kotkaniemi's development, and it's time for him to show that the coaches are making the right decision by putting him in a more offensive role at 5-on-5. Five five. I'm just going to come out and say it. It's I, I thought, and I've been, John, I've been clamoring for this for a while. Uh, I wanted to see Kotkaniemi and Gallagher play together. Now, that line stayed intact. The no Gallagher and Tatar, that line's intact. The change uh, is obviously Anderson coming in. Byron's out of the lineup. And Suzuki and Drouet get Armia. That kind of surprised me a little bit. I thought Anderson would just kind of fall into that right wing spot on that line with Suzuki. But I still like this. Kotkaniemi's played well. And now it's just a matter of increasing those five on five minutes. But at the same time, listen, the coaches are doing their part now. There's no excuses for Kotkaniemi anymore. He's got to show that he's ready to do this. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that now uh, March 6, 2021 has become a big night in the career of Jesperi Kakinyemi. Did not see that happening uh, this evening just because, like you, uh, I didn't expect him to get both of the Canadians' best goal scorers this year. Like, uh, I, I, I understood people saying that when Josh Anderson came back, put him with Nick Suzuki and Jonathan Drouin right away. That, that line was working at the beginning of the year, but... I felt like a lot of what Anderson was generating was kind of of his own doing. Not to say that Drouet and Suzuki were playing poorly, it's just he has that ability to score off the rush where if you just get him the puck at the blue line, he can kind of make his own offense. So I am I figured that they would have just kept the Toffoli, Drouet, and uh, Suzuki line together, and my hope was that Josh Anderson would get a look in with Jesperi Kakanyemi. Now that he gets both of the big guns, I mean, this is a this is a huge moment for him. Um I don't I hope that even if this were not to not to generate some meteoric offense this evening, I'd like to see it at least uh kept together or at least one of those two alongside Kakanyemi for the next couple of games. But I I just enjoy the fact that there are some obviously necessary changes that the Canadians had to make and the coaching staff have uh, have uh, clued in and are trying to do their best to uh, improve the offensive fortunes of their team. Because at this point, you don't really have much to lose. Like the Canadians didn't play poorly. They weren't good in the first period on, on Thursday night against the Jets. Uh, but for a while now, it's been... For the most part, it's been two goals or less, three goals. You know, they get an empty netter on Tuesday night against Ottawa. They scored three Thursday night against the Jets. But for the most part, the offense has dried up. But it's kind of starting to remind me a little bit of last season and the in the previous seasons and just the way that they're generating scoring chances. And you look at the high danger chances at the end of the day and the Canadians have a bunch and the puck's just not going in. Their shooting percentage has regressed considerably. Um, so... You, you've got to mix it up. Like at a certain point, if I'm if I'm Dominic Ducharme, I'm looking at this in two different ways or, or two ways. The first way is, okay, whatever we were doing before, I don't want to change too much of the lines and the chemistry and what people are, you know, what guys are doing just because if I'm changing things up on the ice and, and scheming up different things than what Claude Julien was scheming up, then I don't want to change the lines at the same time as well. I don't want guys to have to overthink things and then not have the players that they're comfortable with on the ice. So I think that it was only normal that they were going to wait to make some changes. So now we're over a week in uh, to Ducharme's tenure as coach. And so now you're starting to see them experiment. You saw them start to experiment in overtime. And now it's it's kind of gone in with the, the lines at five on five too. So I like that. 
the other thing, whether we like it or not, and the results will take care of this, there's no point in doing the exact same thing they had been doing in the first month and a half of the season because the the last three weeks it hasn't worked. And if whether you like this mind, you know, this thought process or not, Dom Ducharme is trying to get this job on a full-time basis. So if I have confidence in my abilities and in my hockey gut, I'm going to go with my gut. And that's how I, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down with my way of thinking and my thought process. That's, that's just the way I see it. I'm not going to stick with the way things are and say, oh, yeah, we're playing well five on five. And, you know, it's it, it, things are going to the floodgates are going to open at some point. No, man, if I have a feeling that different line combinations or uh, different systems on the ice are going to work, different game plans are going to work. That's what I'm going to go with. If it doesn't end up working out and he doesn't get the job on a full time basis, at least I can say you know what, I tried everything in my power to get it to work, and it didn't work. So I like this. I expected changes. I just thought it would probably, I thought the easy switch was swapping Kotkaniemi and Deneau. And clearly, leaving Deneau with Gallagher and Tatar means that, uh, yes, they want to keep Deneau happy, but also they feel like the line is doing enough in terms of generating scoring chances, and they feel like they're going to blow up at a certain point. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know why they would, you know, I don't know why they would leave Dano on that line if they didn't believe that. That's, I think that's, that's what it is. So, um, I mean, is it fair to say that Suzuki and Drouin pay the price by getting UL Armia instead of Tyler Toffoli or Josh Anderson? I, I wouldn't say that. I know Armia has been up and down since being back, but he did play Winnipeg well uh, in those two games in Winnipeg. So I know he vanishes for, for stretches and all that stuff, but you have to remember that the last couple of seasons have been pretty strong uh, given his track record before he got to Montreal. So uh, I think Suzuki and Drouin are both playing better. I think Drouin has been really good. Suzuki hasn't been as good as he was in the first 10, 11 games of the season, but hopefully it gets there. Um, but Listen, they're they're all in on Kotkaniemi, at least for tonight, and, and I kind of like that. And and Suzuki, Armia, and Drouin played together at times last season, so it's yeah. not like the, this is completely just thrown together for that line. I think what I like the most about the Toffoli and Anderson is that uh, my main criticism from Jesperi Kotkaniemi this year has just been that I feel like he listened too much to what Claude Julien was saying in training camp at the start of the year about how good his shot was. And so he felt the need to kind of overplay shooting the puck as much as possible. By playing with Toffoli and Anderson, he's a setup guy. And the the best part about him being a setup guy is that other teams on, uh, not just the Jets, but other teams going forward, are going to have to know that Toffoli and Anderson can score at any time. So you basically have three goal scorers all on the same line who can't hurt you. And if you give them just a, a an inch of space, all three of them can absolutely rip the puck. So that's the thing for me is that he's been very selective with his playmaking over the last couple games, which is what I've liked the most about him. And now that he's playing with two obvious offensive shooters and guys who are goal scorers, I think it'll just help that. And then when he does get a chance either off the rush or in the zone where the Jets are maybe overplaying one of those two guys. He has that ability to absolutely rip the puck. So uh, I hope it works. It'll be interesting to see uh, how it it shakes out because 
it's entirely possible that uh, there could be no chemistry between these three. And but I yeah. do like the fact that uh, Dominic Ducharme is at least trying something that I think, in theory, could potentially work. Yeah, and listen, on you're right. On paper and on the ice are two different things. But I like that they're at least thinking this way. You know, like giving the young guy an opportunity at 20 years old. And and listen, now I think at five on five, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to roll up the ice time, right? Like he's gonna need to get more ice time if he's playing with these two guys. And like you mentioned, John, these are the two best goal scorers the Canadians have had since the beginning of the year. Uh, they're both new to the roster and they fit in seamlessly and they play very different ways. So he's got options. And, and by the way, I like the Kotkaniemi shot. It's just that it it still takes a while to get off. But once he figures that part out, I think he's going to be lethal as well. Like I don't know if he's going to score 30 goals, but I think there's potential for him to do he like he does a lot of things well and I think he thinks the game very well in both zones. So in reality, I mean if he hits 30 goals, great. I don't need him to hit 30 goals, especially if he's playing with talented line mates that can finish. Like I don't need him to score at that pace over an 82 game season. So this is an interesting this is an interesting opportunity for him and I think they'll be patient with him but at the same time it's up to him now he he's got to keep playing the way he's playing cuz on the power play he's had success they've scored 3 goals in the last couple of games and he has an assist on one of the goals but the funny thing is that he has a hand in all of them and he was a really important part uh, of each of the goals that they've scored so I like it. I, I like this move. I think it's forward thinking. And it's, you know, when, when Mark Bergevin made the switch, uh, I guess it was 10 days ago now, from Claude Julien to Dom Ducharme, he talked about a coach that was forward thinking, that was new age. And it's taken, I mean, I think it's a short amount of time. I know everybody wants the changes instantly, but it's taken a short, It's it's been a short amount of time for him to kind of get his feet wet. But now you're starting to see the changes and the changes on the special teams have worked, and I give Ducharme and Burroughs credit there. Now at five on five, there's no excuses anymore. There's a shakeup. So uh, the full lines, if uh, you're driving around and you haven't seen them just yet, we're talking about, we've been talking about the uh, Dano, Tatar, Gallagher line is intact. Suzuki, Armia, and Drouin are together at the morning skate uh, in Brossard this morning. Uh, Kotkaniemi gets Anderson and Toffoli, and Evans gets Perry and Lekkonen. Byron is an extra. And I know a lot of people have been clamoring for changes on the blue line, John. You and I are, are among those people. Uh, but the defense is intact. And Sherrod and Weber have struggled. And Kulak and Romanov have, as a pairing, they've been caught out there uh, flat-footed a couple times as well. But the defensive pairings are staying the same. Mete's the extra. And Carey Price was the first goalie on the ice working with Marco Marciano uh, this morning. So it looks like he's going to get the start. That's not a surprise. Very curious to see how he looks against a, a team in Winnipeg that's you know better than the Ottawa team uh, that he played on Tuesday night. So defensively, they're staying the same. And uh, I do want to get your thoughts on the uh, question of the day on Saturday Sports. And, and this question, I actually tweeted it before the lines came out, before the morning skate started. And I'm a little surprised at the results. You can find it on Twitter at Joey Alfieri and at TSN 690. If you could use just one of these players between now and the end of the season, which one would you take? Your choices are, it's a battle of right wingers, Yoel Armia or Corey Perry. And I know on Habs Lunch, the, the scrum yesterday, uh, you were an advocate. You mentioned that you wanted to see Corey Perry get some more ice time. 
And so I'm just wondering how you feel about Armia getting the bump up with the Suzuki line and Corey Perry still on the fourth line. Well, I mean, I think we're starting to see that, and we start we saw it in the first uh, in the first press conference with Dominic Ducharme when uh, our very own Dan Robertson asked him about Armia that that Ducharme clearly has a soft spot for Yoel Armia. He thinks that there's something that he can unlock uh, in terms of consistency with Yoel Armia. So. Um, I think it's more just the fact that when we're talking about consistency, I know who Corey Perry is. I know the very simple game that Corey Perry is going to play. He's going to get to the front of the net. He's going to uh, upset a lot of people. He uh, can flash some really ridiculous skill. For Yoel Armia, there's just... He looks incredible one game and then completely invisible the next. And it, it is a it is a very uh, frustrating thing to watch. And it must be a frustrating thing to, to play with a guy like that because you just have no idea what you're going to expect. If you're if you're Shea Weber or if you're Jeff Petrie and you're you're lining up for a shot from the point and Corey Perry's on the ice, you know what's gonna happen. Yoel Armia is in front of the net, you're winding up, and all of a sudden he disappears, and it's a shot right into the gut of whoever the goaltender is. You know what I mean? There's just yeah. there's too many things about Yoel Armia in terms of consistency that, that, that bother me. Corey Perry brings something to the Canadians that they just do not have nearly enough of. So um, I'm not upset about it, and I'm not nearly upset about the fact they didn't change the defense bearings because there's only so much change, so many changes you can make, game in and game out. So maybe in the future, based on how this Kakanyemi thing is working out, um, we'll see a change to the defensive pairings. But uh, I think Corey Perry brings the nasty in a way that Yoel Armia just just never will. Right. Yeah. No, they're different for sure. They're different players. It's just that they're, you know, they're on the same side of uh, on the depth chart. And I, I think today in this, I don't know how controversial a take this is going to be, uh, but I think today Yoel Armia is a better player than Corey Perry is. That's not to say that Perry's not useful because I take Corey Perry on my team any day and you've seen it. Uh, he can still be that net front presence on the power play. And he does contribute at five on five too. It's just that I do think that there have been some ups and downs for Armia in his time in Montreal. But you look at the last couple seasons, and he's not somebody I would have in a top six. And he's been playing in that role uh, for most of his time in Montreal. But he's still a guy who, over the last two years, has scored 13 goals in 57 games and 16 goals in 58 games. So, listen, Corey Perry's career puts you know he puts Yoel Armia in his back pocket. I do think today. I would probably lean Armia over Perry for a more significant role, but that doesn't take anything away from Corey Perry. I think Corey Perry has been great. And you hear, you know, I heard Brendan Gallagher the other night talk about being able to pick Corey Perry's brain. The guy's a winner. The guy's done everything there is to do. But I, you know, I'm happy with him in a bottom six role. And then I'd get him on the, I'd get him out on the power play every time. But to me, a guy like Armia with that size and as inconsistent as he is, um, I do think he brings a lot to the table. So if I'm answering the poll rest of the season, I would go with Yoel Armia. And I'm surprised to see uh, that Corey Perry is winning over Yoel Armia 70% to 30 I didn't think it would be that one-sided. But I also realized, I mean, Armia, it's not even like he's been terrible because it was a week ago that he scored some big goals against the the Jets. And on the Saturday night in Winnipeg, uh, it was him winning the battle that led to Suzuki bouncing it off Hellebuck and in. So he's been productive relatively, you know, 
recently. People have been uh, watching the Canadians be soft for too long, yes, Joey. Yes, this is what yes. this is. That's really yes. all that it is, is that yeah. it's someone who they know is going to be a pain in the behind all over the ice, and the yeah. Canadians have been, uh, let's just say, lackluster in that department for the better part of a decade. Agreed. But but I and, and he brings the nasty. Don't get it twisted. But I think today, Armia is a better player than Corey Perry is. But there's also like nine years between them. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. Okay, I like when we agree. That doesn't happen that often. It doesn't. No, no, we, 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 we dis. That's kind of the thing I like the most is that uh, (laughs) we, we we don't agree on a lot of things. That's perfectly fine. It's Saturday sports on TSN six ninety. Joey Alfieri, John Still, uh, with you till one o'clock. A reminder: We'll be talking to CF Montreal assistant sporting director Vasily Kremenzidis. We'll see how CF Montreal's coaching coaching search is going. Uh, but we continue with the hockey talk. Former NHLer Kent Manderville played with Sean Burke in the NHL and on the international scene. What can the Canadians expect from their new director of goaltending when he's out of quarantine? Kent will tell us in Saturday sports on TSN six ninety. Manderville on the faceoff with Stumple. It's off for Chaser. Shot scores on a tip in front. A deflected shot. And it looks like Mandeville with the score. Wesley penetrates. Shot might have hit the crossbar. It did. It's kept in now. The turnaround was scored by Mandeville. Mandeville makes it 3 to 1 for the Whalers. Jim Carey did not know where it went once it went off the crossbar. Get up behind me, Mandeville gets two. And it's cleared away. Here's his hat trick. Mandeville gets a hat trick. Kent Mandeville with his third and fourth and fifth goals of the year. Gets a hat trick for himself. Ah, pretty impressive there from Kent Manderville. Welcome back, Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Uh, that was in 1997 when he was a member of the Hartford Whalers. And, of course, you know that in Montreal, uh, I'm sure people were really excited about that because it came against uh, the Boston Bruins and they were wearing those hideous yellow jerseys uh, when he did all that damage to them. Uh, Joey Alfieri, John, still with you till 1 o'clock. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show for the first time Mr. Kent Manderville. Kent, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing really well. What a trip down memory lane. Thanks for that. <laughs> how, how many hat-tricks were there? Because that was the first one, right? Oh, let me see. Um, in the NHL, um, uh, one. That was it. That, you so, that, it. You were, so you were one and done. Yeah, exactly. One and done. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, it, listen, it's more hat-tricks than I've had at uh, any level. So uh, chapeau to you. What do you remember about that night against Boston? That was in Hartford. It was in Hartford, and and it's amazing when you hear the fans, right? Because in Hartford, they had great fans, and it was a small market. Obviously, the team moved to Carolina, but um, for me personally, that was a special night because I came back from a wrist injury that almost ended my career. Mm -hmm. I spent part of the the year in Springfield in in the American League, and I got called up, and that was soon after that. Paul Maurice was the coach. Uh, Sean Burke, who's now uh, part of the Montreal Canadiens uh, coaching staff, was a goalie. So for me, it was personally, it was like a, a comeback and a vindication to get back to the NHL and reestablish myself, really. 
That's awesome. Yeah, and so the Jets are in Montreal tonight playing the Canadians. Paul Maurice is going to be coaching the Jets, of course. Uh, Sean Burke not with the Canadians just yet, just because he's in quarantine. Uh, so he'll be available to them in uh, in a couple of weeks. But um, okay, so I mean, Paul Maurice is still a relatively young guy, but he was really young uh, when he was coaching you guys, and now he's such an outside the box thinker. You see it with the three forwards in overtime. What was he like back in the day? He was, you know. He's he's very smart, and what the thing about Paul is he's a great communicator. So I think even back then he was very young, but the veteran guys they they respected him, and I think his coaching when we got Ron Francis in Carolina, mm-hmm. I think that really helped him a lot. Just as far as having a future Hall of Famer, and I think he used Ron as a sounding board um, with, and I think that improved him because exactly what you say. He's an outside-the-box thinker. He's very intelligent, and he's reinvented himself multiple times in his career because he's had to. The game's changed. So yeah. it's it's uh, and, he's, and he's still young. So uh, nice to see him continue to have success, but not surprising that he would start a, an overtime with three forwards because that's just the way he does things. He will go outside the box. He's former NHLer Kent Manderville joining us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. So... I want your best Sean Burke story. <laughs> oh, Berkey. You know what? Best Sean Burke story would be at the Olympics in 1992 because we played together that year. He was in a contract dispute in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Shockingly, with Lou Lamarello, that never happened, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> But with, uh, with Berkey, we played Germany in the quarterfinals, and we went to a shootout. And obviously we won. We kind of went through. We, we got the silver medal that year. But quarterfinals against Germany, they're a hard team to play against. And we're in a shootout. So Berkey made a save that I think you can Google it and see it on YouTube. It, it literally landed like right on the goal line for, uh, for the German player. Like it didn't go in. And we ended up winning that. But his dad was a nervous wreck and the parents were laughing about it after because he had to leave the rink. He couldn't stand (laughs) watching his son play in that position. And and so we thought that was really funny because it's almost like a minor hockey dad. And here you are at the Olympics and he's the same way. He had to leave the rink. So, um, but Berkey, I mean, I think he's going to do a great job in Montreal just because he's been the cornerstone of franchises before. He can definitely relate, and uh, I think uh, I think it's a good move. I don't know Stefan Waite, so I don't know that, but sometimes a, a new voice is a good thing. So, I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, Berkey played, you know, had a great career uh, in the NHL internationally as well. He's been up for GM jobs. Like we saw he was up for the job in, in Arizona over the uh, over the offseason. Could you tell back then that he was going to go into coaching or management? He's a guy, and so I played with Mark Bergevin in Pittsburgh, too, and I would say Mark's the same way. Obviously, uh, he went into management, and uh, they're intelligent people, and it's not, you know, I went to an Ivy League school, and I went the actual university route, but they're smart people. They're always learning, and and Berkey would definitely be one of those guys. He could... uh, he wasn't just there to play hockey. There, There was another dimension, another element to him, and I thought that he would stay in hockey, but if he didn't, I think he would be successful even outside of hockey. Mm-hmm. He he had that personality and that and that kind of ability and that intelligence. 
All right. Well, well, it's Kent Manderville joining us on the program. So we'll get the stories out of the way, and hopefully you can join us a few more times, but I want to knock these stories out of the way early. So I want your best because every, <laughs> everyone everyone has a Bergevin story. Uh, Jamie McLennan's oh. told us stories about pranks and all that stuff. Uh, so I, I want your very best, funniest Mark Bergevin story too, and then we can we can get into the hockey. You don't have to tell stories anymore. You know, it's funny because with Burge, I played with him in Pittsburgh. And when I would say to people, yeah, I played in Pittsburgh, you know, they think, oh, wow, that must have been great. And I'm like, actually, back then it was tough because we were the reason why they had all those first round draft picks and first picks overall. Cause it was it was tough. But Burge, Burge was always keeping guys light. I mean, obviously a really good friend with Mario. And, you know, Burge had just, you know, he'd put on this leopard skin underwear and he'd go around the rink with a wig uh, around the room and stuff like that. But he would, he was the constant prankster. But again, a guy who, you know, with, I watch what he's done in Montreal, just, just a really, he's a smart guy. He's, he's canny. Um, and he's got good instincts. So, but he would, yeah. Could you imagine that? Just a guy walking around like that in the dressing room, <laughs> trying to keep it light. But hey, when you're in Pittsburgh back then, when we were losing like that, you needed a guy like Burge for sure. Yeah, no kidding. And it, it's funny, you and I, we spoke for the first time just a few weeks ago uh, online, and you had mentioned to me, like, hey, look at the high-flying Canadians. It's fun. And it reminded you yeah. of 93. <laughs> and it did for me too. And so so I know you've been paying you know close attention to them. What do you make of you know going from – that being the high-flying Montreal Canadiens to firing your head coach, associate coach, and goaltending coach, like what have you seen differently? I think you know it really it really brings to mind. It's just it's such a game of confidence. And earlier on, exactly what you said, everything was going right. Um, everything everything was going the right way, and they were just dominant. It was it was fun to watch. But when you get the other side of the coin too. When things start going the other way, it could get ugly as well. And that's where, you know, if, if I'm in the room, you know, those guys have to look at themselves and say, hey, we, we know what we can do. We know what we're capable of doing. We just need to get to that, to that spot. And it's so competitive in the Canadian division that if you start losing a few games, it can really spiral. But if you look around the division – Calgary, they're in turmoil. They changed their coach. Vancouver's been tough, um, hasn't been doing well. Ottawa is tough to play against, but they're, they're, I think, are a few years away. So there's definitely opportunity there. And it just, that's the swing. That's professional sports. And I would say, especially this year with a 56-game schedule, Mm -hmm. it's going to be that much more magnified this year. And to your point, a few weeks later, and the momentum the momentum has completely shifted. But I think they're such a good team; they'll be able to get it back for sure. He's Kent Manderville, former NHLer, joining us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN six ninety. So, uh, you once upon a time were a very young centerman uh, in the NHL. The Canadians have three of their four centermen are under the age of twenty five. Uh, Suzuki's twenty one, Kotkaniemi's twenty. Um, the the face offs. I know that's a, that's been a hot button issue. Even when things were going well, uh, they've struggled in the face-off circle. The Canadians have. How long did it take you to get that down? That you know, it's funny because I was a winger my whole life, and none other than Pat Burns <laughs> changed me wow. into a centerman. And so, exactly that. 
the hardest part, not only the 200-foot game, and I remember in Toronto him throwing me out against Fedorov. And when you're killing penalties, you're always taking face-offs against their top guys. Yeah. And so exactly what you said, that was a really tough part of the game for me. Now, going into it, you, you start saying, you know, you start saying, I'm going to tie him up, get help from your wingers. It's got to be a five, a five man draw. It can't just be a binary win or loss. Mm -hmm. So if I'm those guys, a, you got to work after practice. You got to work on it all the time. B, you're going to watch video. You're going to see tendencies of what the other guys are doing on the other team. And because you're seeing them game after game after game, that should be helpful too. And then three would be you got to get your wingers involved and you need to maybe cheat, but it's hard when you're in the defensive zone, you're on their offside. That's just experience. You just need reps. And if it's in the neutral zone or the offensive zone where you can kind of try some different things, uh, that's a little bit better. But in the defensive zone, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's just reps, getting everybody involved, practice and practice, and studying video. That's the way to go. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, look, face-offs are important, but I do think that, you know, with enough talent, if you're playing well enough, you can overcome, you know, losing 60% of the draws or whatever. But do you think that teams can win with three young centermen down the middle? I think, I think more so now than ever. I think, I think because the, the league has gotten younger, and, and let's face it, like, those are good centermen. Right, like they're, they're. I love watching that Kotniemi. Like he's he's fun to watch, and and the progression from his season last year to being in the bubble, where there is definitely a difference. Um, that's you just see the upside there for them, and same with Nick Suzuki. So I think they just need reps. They need to know that the coach is going to trust them, and and again. It's a little thing of confidence, but if you're constantly getting harped on with face-offs, 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 that plays with your mind, too. Mm -hmm. So if you can get your wingers jumping in and helping out, cheer point. I think back in the day when I played, it wasn't as important, but now there's such a focus on puck possession. Teams do a better job of managing puck possession. I think it's it's more important to have good face-offs, but it certainly shouldn't be the focus like, oh my God, you uh, you only won forty uh, percent of your draws this game. You were terrible. There's a whole other aspect yeah. of the game, but they, but they do need help from their wingers. And if it's going to be a tie-up, whatever, that's and and it, again, it's experience. When you give experience to guys that are talented, they're going to just soak it up and get that much better. But they need to go through that experience for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if you've seen the the notes from the Canadians Morning Skate, Kent, but people here, our text message board at 11690 is lighting up. People are excited because Josh Anderson's back uh, at practice. I love him. Like what a great looks, player, right? Eh? It looks oh. like he's going to play tonight, and yeah, he's been great, but uh, they've put Kotkaniemi between Anderson and Tyler Toffoli, so people are finally, they're really excited about the opportunity Kotkaniemi has tonight. I think I think I, I actually looked at the lineup too before I came in on and I saw that line and they were they were slotted as third and I know you gotta put your lines in somehow. But <laughs> I think the different mixture of you know, with Anderson with how he plays and, and a bit of a wrecking ball and Tafoli as as a finisher, 
and Kontiemi in the middle. I think I think that's exciting. I'm looking forward to watching that for sure. Hey, Kent, we appreciate you joining us, man. I'll just I'll leave you with this one. Uh, I know you're working in wealth management with hockey players. Can you tell us what you've been up to? Yeah, no. You know, it's funny because we went back with that Hartford Whalers clip, and I had experiences in my uh, in my hockey career where I saw my teammates not getting great advice, and I saw now you see the story with Donald Brashear and, and the sad circumstances there, and there's a number of guys like that. So I really put my focus into helping guys on the wealth management side. We've got a good setup in uh, here in based in Ottawa, hockey family office. But yeah, we can talk another time more about it, but uh, it's certainly needed. I didn't have it when I played, and it's just that trusted wealth management for players because they have a short window of earnings, and uh, and it's a complicated situation with, with their circumstances. So happy to talk to you another time about it, and thank you so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Yo, I'd love to do it again uh, in the very near future. And uh, now I just have to try to burn that image of uh, Mark Bergevin in the leopard uh, <laughs> underwear out of my mind before we come back after the break. So thank you for telling the great stories. We appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we can get you on again real soon. Hey, that sounds good. You have a great day. Thanks again. Yeah, you too. That's Kent Manderville, former NHLer. Uh, man, that was, those are some good stories. I like that behind-the-scenes look. Uh, Sean Burke's father had to leave the rink at the Olympics because he was too nervous. I thought that was great. And uh, Mark Bergevin, the prankster, keeping things light, which I know for Canadians fans, it might be hard to imagine that just because he's so serious and seems to be on the defensive a lot since he took the general manager job. But I think that just that comes with the territory, especially in this market. You can't be a general manager and give the appearance uh, that you're goofing off. So uh, thank you to Kent Manderville for joining us on the program. That was uh, that was a whole lot of fun. We've got a new feature on Saturday Sports. We'll play the brand new middle name game on TSN 690. How does it work? I'll go through some sports figures who made headlines this week. And you and John still have to guess their middle names. Welcome back to Saturday Sports, TSN 690. We'll be talking NFL draft prospects, quarterbacks specifically with NBC Sports Edge's Thor Nystrom in about 10 minutes' time. Uh, but I do want to bring in John Still for our brand new feature. It's the Guess the Middle Name Game. Uh, this is a very simple game. You can play along at home by texting us at 11690. Uh, we're going to look at players who made headlines this week across the uh, sporting world, and you will have to guess what their middle names are. And uh, so I want to start with this story. Uh, John, are you ready? Uh, I'm ready. I also, uh, I already hate this game because I know this is uh, this is based on me, but uh, we'll... Uh, you have, well, it's based on you and this audience. I mean, you can look at the text message board for help if you want. No, no, no. Uh, it's just, I'm talking about just the middle name thing because uh, you, you have No, no, you have no. It's not about before. that at all. Oh, okay. It's not about that at all. Oh, no, no. Okay. It's not about the middle name. I, although that would have been a very nice tie-in. See, this is what I'm uh, going to say is that now I'm going to hold off for people who don't know what my middle name is. We'll, we'll now yeah. keep this as a, uh, we'll keep this as a secret. For yes. uh, for a little it's, while, tease the a, fans for a little time here. It's a very elitist uh, middle is. name that uh, John still it has, and I'm is. not I'm not going to give it away. I've mentioned it enough. Uh, but this actually came about because I was looking up Ben Roethlisberger's name, okay. and I just felt like the middle name didn't fit. Of course, uh, Big Ben signed a one year, a new one year deal. Uh, he's back with the Steelers in 2021. Uh, I do think that the Steelers need to have some kind of succession plan uh, for Big Ben at this point because I don't know that he's going to be around forever, but uh, he's uh, signed up for year 18 in the NFL. So, John Still, 
Uh, and uh, you listening at home or in your car, you can text us at 11-690. Benjamin Roethlisberger's middle name, what do you think it is? Hamburger. Benjamin Hamburger Roethlisberger. It's the only Very thing. That it's the only thing that makes sense. Very close, but I said that this middle name doesn't really make sense. It starts with a T. Starts with a T. Okay. Um, you know what? I'll go with. I'll go with Timothy. That is incorrect. Uh, the correct answer would be Todd. Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger. Todd. Todd. Yes. Wow, that should definitely be switched around, doesn't don't fit. you think? Yeah. Isn't Benjamin a much better middle name than Todd? And Todd's a much better first name than Benjamin? Uh, I don't know. He doesn't look like a Todd to me. I don't know. It doesn't uh, it doesn't fit. You know what? I don't think I've ever met a Todd, now that I think about it. so uh, I don't know that I have either uh, off the top of my head. Uh, okay, name number two. Apparently, the Seattle Seahawks, they're not shopping Russell Wilson, <laughs> but if you call to inquire about his availability, they're picking up the phone, according to uh, Diana Rossini of yeah. ESPN. I would like to know Russell C. Wilson's middle name. Russell C. Wilson. You know what? Um, I like the and way... It's not Ciara. It's not that would That would be Ciara. pretty impressive. Uh, you know what? I like the way that this kind of just rolls here. I'm going to go with Russell Charles Wilson. Russell Charles Wilson is a very good guess. It is also incorrect. <sighs> I would have given you about 15 million guesses, John, and you would have never got oh, it. Now I'm very interested. His middle name, Russell Carrington Wilson. <laughs> that is, that wow, is that's very way much... worse than my middle name. Wow, that I is. I was uh... going to say that's right. In, it's not to say that your middle name is bad, but, but it's, it's in just there. as fancy. Yeah. It's it's as fancy as your middle name is. Russell Carrington Wilson. That's fantastic. Yeah, and uh, of course these are all very legit because I got them off Wikipedia. Uh, and uh, Blake Griffin will go to the NBA. Blake Griff Blake Griffin was bought out uh, by the Detroit Pistons. Uh, yesterday, and the reports are that he's going to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Blake Griffin, uh, if you take his initials, it spells out the word bag. So uh, his middle name starts with an A. Um, I'll go with Adam. No, uh, it's not. It's uh, I'll, I'll give you a clue here because I want you to get one. Uh, think uh, Toronto Maple Leafs or... or uh, city in Texas. Oh, there it is. Is it with an O or an I, though? It is with an I. It's with an I. Blake Austin Griffin. You know what? That Of all the three, that might be the most acceptable of the middle names. Uh, the Todd, acceptable. The Todd I'm not a fan of, and Carrington is just incredible. I mean, that is... I'm going to use that in some kind of uh, in some kind of trivia night when the world gets back to normal because that is absolutely fantastic. Russell Carrington Wilson, uh, do you want to give away? Because somebody on wow, the the uh, this audience has a fantastic sense of humor. Uh, so Dan, who's uh, texting us at eleven six ninety, knows your middle name. He's mm -hmm. uh, he's just texted it in, and uh, somebody else. Uh, no name on this one. It's actually signed Al Kohal. Okay. Uh, says that uh, your middle name is Jin. So he thinks it's uh, John Jin. Jin. Oh, man. You don't want to see me when I got some gin in me. It's uh, <laughs> it's bad news bears. It's easily the uh, it's easily the alcohol that uh, that makes me the most upset. But no, it is not. It is not gin. It is not gin. Although my last name is based 
off of uh, people distilling alcohol. So it's wow. not uh, it's not completely uh, out of the realm of possibility. That's very much on brand for you. So uh, well done, well done. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I hope that uh, this audience learned something along the way because I did not know any of those three middle names. You know what, Joey? I'm and not going to lie. I didn't know where this segment was going to go, but yeah. uh, the, the first one in the bag, uh, I'm, I'm impressed. That there was, you uh, go. That was terrific. Carrington Wilson, that is glorious. This is what we do. We uh, shed some light on the uh, hard-hitting topics around the world of sports on uh, Saturday Sports on TSN 690. The 2021 NFL Draft is just over a month away. There's a lot of quality options at quarterback, but who's the best prospect in the draft? Is it Trevor Lawrence from Clemson? Is it Zach Wilson from BYU? Or is it somebody else? NBC Sports Edge NFL Draft Analyst Thor Nystrom will break it down for us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690.